Well, thank you once again to our music team, um, and it's great to just come together and uh, to sing some songs. You, most of you are aware that um, I have started a new sermon series, and the sermon series is really about who is Jesus? Because as Christians, I think who is Jesus is one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. I remember um, the lecturer that taught um, evangelism at the college in Queensland. Um, he said that as Christians, it's probably more important to talk about Jesus to people than about God. Because he said God is, 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 has so many different meanings for so many different people. But he also said with Jesus, you have a pinpoint in history. You have someone that's walked this earth and you had someone who you can really be tangible with. I remember talking to Jesus with my kids at school and sadly for them, all they really knew of him was his name was a swear word. So I'm looking at who is Jesus because I think it's so important we understand this. Last week, we started the series looking at the I am statements that Jesus said about himself. Because I said, if you're going to learn something about someone, what they say about themselves is extremely important. You learn certain things about someone when they talk about themselves. Last week, we looked at when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. And I said, in these I am statements and in this discussion that we found in John's gospel, Jesus gave an explanation of the process of salvation. We learnt this. All we need for the spiritual life is found in Jesus Christ. What we need for this spiritual life we already have. Jesus is the bread of life. Today, I'm moving on to the next one. But first, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the richness of your word. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to this earth and I thank you that we can learn about who Jesus is. I pray today as we look at the next statement, Jesus, that you made about yourself. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will reveal your son and your father to us greatly. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I used to go into businesses and to churches and to schools and I used to do an exercise in leadership, training management and stuff like that. One exercise I did was called the Desert Survival Exercise. And um, it was set up, it's a professional thing, but I'm going to give you a crash course. I say a crash course because this exercise is all about you surviving. You see, the scenario is this, you're in a plane and you've crashed in the middle of the Simpson Desert and it's a 45 degree day. Sadly, the pilot and co-pilot have died. However, you and a group of others are left there. You are able to salvage 13 things. 13 things you are able to get. And the first part of the exercise that I do with people is what they have to do is they have to go through and in order, out of these 13 things for your survival, what is the most important? And then this exercise is done um, by Alenzo Pond, who is a specialist in this. He's the one that led the troopers at Desert Storm and he also has done many things. And what happens is after they've done it, I go through and I tell him his order. Anyone want to guess? What do you think number one is? Water. Who said water? 
water. What else? Salt. Anyone else? Are you ready? I'm not going to go. If you're interested, I've got all 13 in a list in my office, but... The cosmetic mirror is your number one point. Whoever said salt, sadly, that's 13. <laughs> he says that this is probably the only tool out of all of these things that you will actually use. With that tool, you have increased your chance of survival by 75%. Why? Because he said it is your greatest tool for communication. A cosmetic mirror in the sun the mirror can produce light that can be seen for several miles. He says the light from a mirror can even be seen beyond the horizon. Because he says for your survival, you need to let people know that you're there. Your greatest tool in all of these things is the mirror because it produces light. This shows how powerful light can be. Light can save your life. Well, today... We are looking at the time Jesus said that very thing about himself. The very thing he said is, I am the light of the world. This was a great statement. But let me ask you, do you know where and when he said it? Well, I'm about to tell you. We learn from John chapter 7 that this I am statement was made in Jerusalem during the Jewish Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, it's worth pointing out here that you will see John chapter 7, verses 53 to John chapter 8, verse 11 are recorded as not being in our original manuscripts. I think most Bibles will have that in their footnotes. Why is that important to know? Well, because this tells us exactly when Jesus made this statement. Now, as I said, John 7 tells us that Jesus was at the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is the final feast of the year for the Hebrews. This feast was also called the Feast of Ingathering because it occurred after all the crops had been harvested. The festival went for eight days and it was held in the seventh month of their calendar. This would probably be our mid-September to mid-October. It was not only a time of joyful thanksgiving for the harvest, but it was also a celebration of God's care shown to their ancestors as they lived in the small, movable huts and wandered around in the wilderness. They would remember and celebrate how for 40 years God gave his guidance and provision for their ancestors on that 40-year journey through the wilderness. So this feast was to be an annual reminder of God's provision during that time. During the week of the festival, Jerusalem was filled with visitors and alive with celebration. The festival included things like singing, dancing, torch parades, and even people marching around the city walls to imitate Israel's great victory over the city of Jericho. As you read it, just on a side note, you'll read, each morning during that week, priests would carry water from the pool of Siloam and pour it on the west side of the altar in the temple court. This was a reminder how God provided water for their ancestors during that difficult journey. It was on the last day of the festival when the water was poured out that Jesus took the opportunity used in that event to tell people that they could satisfy their spiritual thirst by trusting in him. He said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. 
Anyway, one of the ceremonies or part of the feast was the lighting of four candles in the court of the women. Each night during the week, the priests lit four large candles. With these, when these large candles were lit, the light reflected off the golden walls of the candles. When these lamps were lit, the light reflected so much that the candles would produce a great amount of light, a bit like that mirror. So much so, the glow could be seen across the whole city. So the light of the temple could be seen from all of Jerusalem once these four candles were lit because of the reflection of the gold walls. This visual golden glow was a reminder to the Jews of the pillar of fire by which God led Israel through the darkness. At the end of each night, the priest would put out the candles. It is believed by most scholars that it was when the priests were putting out the lamps at the end of the festival on the very last night and that glow and the great reminder of God's care, guidance and provision was gone to be gone for another year. It was at this point, once those candles went out for the last time, that Jesus cried out, I am the light of the world. Because remember, this verse comes directly after John 7, 52. By standing in front of the temple before the lights that represented the glory and presence of God, when they went out, then declaring, I'm the light of the world, Jesus left no doubt in the minds of his hearers as to who he claimed to be. And it wasn't just a mere human being. To claim to be the light of the world at this outrageous time is an outrageous claim if Jesus was merely a human being. By claiming to be the light of the world, he was proclaiming to be God. That's the background. Now, I want to look at three points that we can learn about Jesus being light of the world. And the first one is this. Jesus, as the light of the world, scatters darkness. I'm not sure if you've ever been in complete darkness, but let me tell you, it's intense. If you've ever done something like caving or mining or anything like that, it is intense. It can be quite frightening. We as human beings don't cope with being in the dark. Many people are still afraid of the dark. I remember in Adelaide, we have a thing called the Festival Fringe. And a friend of mine said, are you going to the Fringe? And I said, yeah. And they said, look, you've got to go and check out the maze. When you get there, go and check out the maze. And he told me where it was. And I found it. And there was this door and it had a sheet over it and it had fluorescent paint with the maze. And anyway, I walked in and it was a corridor probably from here to that speaker away. It was a single corridor. And I got to there and it came to an end. And I thought, well, that's stupid. That's the easiest maze I've ever been on, one straight corridor. And as I turned around and walked back, I got halfway along. I'm not allowed to leave the mic, am I? I got halfway along and it looked like someone had painted a black rectangle on the wall. But I realised it wasn't a rectangle at all. It was actually an opening. And what happened is you went down here and I went from here to the chairs and then the wall went that way and that way. But once you got around those corners, it was completely dark and you were feeling your way along. And I can remember feeling my way along a wall and I got to the next T-section and one went that way and one went that way. And, um, and what amazes me is that in this maze, 
no one spoke. Everyone whispered. Everyone was saying, how long have you been here? Have you found your way out? This is horrible. And anyway, I was with a friend and I said, blow this, Jack. Um, I can't cope with this. I said, I'm getting out. I said, I remembered I did a left and a right. So, so I went back out. And I think it took my friend about an hour to come out. But what I found interesting is I sat there and watched people coming out at the end of the maze. And they come out and they were absolutely frazzled. Do you know how you're taught not to talk to strangers? That rule didn't apply. I saw people walking up to people in the line to go into the maze, grabbing them, saying, don't go in, it's horrible, I've been in there an hour, it's complete darkness, it's bad, it's this, it's that. The maze was a horrible experience for many people. Darkness is not a nice thing. People will try to avoid darkness at all costs. Well, our scriptures also picks up this theme. In scripture, darkness is often a metaphor for things like sin, death, sin's consequence, and everything that's not of God. Sadly, sin has darkened God's creation. This is the darkness that sin, the scriptures reveal. On the other hand, light in scripture is often a metaphor for the complete opposite. Things like redemption, spiritual awakening, goodness, peace, and all that is of God. Throughout scripture, light is a symbol of the presence of God guiding and guarding his people. That was the point of the lighting those candles in the temple. It was to remind them of God's guidance in their ancestors' life. John opens up his gospel by declaring that Jesus was there in the beginning. He tells us how his light illuminates the world with truth. At Jesus' birth, the light came into a darkened world. Jesus brings God's light into our world. That means as the light of the world, he has brought himself God's guiding and guiding presence. We also read in 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Paul writes in Colossians 1.13, God has rescued us from the domination of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his loving son. Jesus, as the light of the world, scatters darkness. But he does more than that. He doesn't just scatter the darkness. He brings God's light. By God's light, we see the severity of our sin. That's the darkness. We also see the way of our pardon through his son. That's God's light. Light scatters darkness. When Jesus says he's the light of the world, in this one statement, he is declaring he conquers sin, spiritual blindness and oppression. He conquers death, hell, the grave and spiritual bondage. Jesus, as the light of the world, scatters that darkness, gets rid of it, but brings in God's light. But in this one statement, as I said, he's also declaring just like the candles at that festival symbolise God's care, guidance and provision. In this one statement of I'm the light of the world, Jesus is promising this, that he himself is the new care, guidance and provision of the way God cares for us. Jesus can take our inner darkness and carry us from despair to hope. He can take our confusion and enlighten our minds giving us wisdom and insight. He can transform even the darkness of death and give us the light of lights. He and only he can do this because he is the light of the world. 
Jesus and only Jesus can scatter the darkness of this world and bring God's light into every situation. The next thing he does is this. Jesus, as the light of the world, gives direction. Following this light of the world has consequences for us, but they are positive. Jesus, as the light of the world, gives us direction. Do you know, my boss at Wirraway, he also went into the maze. He didn't last as well. And he told his daughter about it. She went two nights later. Guess what she took? A torch. She took a torch. And once she got in, she turned the torch on. And she said to us, the interesting thing was all the walls were white once, once she actually got in there, but because there was no light. But, you know, once that light went on in that maze, it made the experience of that maze completely different. It got rid of all fear and made her clear. And more than that, it could give her direction. Having a torch in that maze made it nothing more than a walk through a park. Jesus, as the light of the world, gives direction. This makes our life completely different. It gets rid of our fear and our confusion and our darkness. It gets rid of our fear of sin and death. But more than that, it points us in a certain way. What way? To the Father and to the gospel. Without the light of the gospel and the gospel's author, you will not know where you've been, where you're going, or how you may get there. Without Jesus as the light of the world, you are like being in that maze in complete darkness. What happens to those who follow him? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Firstly, they shall never be lost. Believers, Jesus said, shall not walk in darkness. Why? Because their darkness has been scattered. It's gone. Secondly, the believer shall have the light of life. What does this light of life look like? Well, John tells us what it looks like. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we live and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Wow, what a verse. Let me tell you some of the things of this verse. In this verse, Jesus promises some things. Firstly, he promises communion with the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he promises this light will also bring fellowship with other believers. It will also bring complete forgiveness of our sins. It will also bring righteousness and peace. It will also bring everlasting life. And more importantly, it will bring abundant life now. That's what 1 John 1, 5 to 8 reveals to us. Jesus, as the light of the world, gives direction. The light of Christ offers us and reassures us in an uncertain world. The one who made the blind to see also can open our eyes to see his light. We have confidence that by following God's light, we will find our way and reach our destination. Why? Because he's the one that gives direction. God promises to give us enough light for the next step which is a great comfort. So Jesus, as the light of the world, scatters darkness. 
Jesus as the light of the world gives direction. And now for the final thing he does. Jesus as the light of the world gives warmth. Light gives warmth. Do you know that one small candle properly reflected can raise the temperature of an igloo from below freezing to over 45 degrees? In the Bible, warmth is often equated with the comfort that God provides. And most times it refers to the grieving, the rejected and the oppressed. Isaiah 60, 19 and 20 says, The sun shall no longer be your light by the day, nor the brightness shall be the moon that gives light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Jesus, as the light of the world, gings warmth, brings comfort, brings healing. Hearing what comfortable words Jesus our Saviour to Matthew 11. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. In me you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is the God of all comfort, as the light of the world. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will give you the grace to endure trial and triumphant in difficulty. You won't find peace, redemption or fulfilment in pills, pleasure, possession or position. You will only find it in coming and following the light of the world. Jesus, as the light of the world, scatters darkness, gives direction and gives warmth. What does that mean for us today? Well, for me, this is easy because Jesus uses a key word in this statement. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. What's the key word I see he uses? The key word for me in all of this is whoever. Whoever. Jesus states here that this is our choice. We live in a world of darkness, but he gives us an opportunity to be out. We can walk blindly in spiritual darkness of sin or we can receive Christ's light. It's up to us to become part of the whoever. Whoever believes in this. That's the challenge. Where do you sit with it? But, you know, there is another part of what does it mean for us today, especially if you are sitting there and you are part of the whoever. If you can tick, no worries, I'm a part of that whoever. If you are in that boat, then we learn something in our scriptures about what happens to us once we receive Jesus as the light of the world. Once we become part of that whoever, something happens. What is it? It is this. We are called to be children of the light to the world. The result of following the light of the world is being a light yourself. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. Did you get that? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This Jesus that made the statement about himself, I'm the light of the world, also makes the same statement about the whoever's. You are the light of the world. 
Jesus says in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before all people that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. Giving glory to God and living in such a manner that others will also give glory to God. If we are saved, if we are part of the whoever, then we are to be lights of the world. And let's face it, we live in a world that needs the light of the world. If we just stop and think of the people we come into contact with every day, chances are we see people every day scrambling their way through life. They're worried about certain things. They're facing certain trials. They're encountering different things. Some people are going along without direction, without purpose. They're in that maze in darkness. They need a torch. They need the torch to get rid and scatter the darkness. You are the torch. You are the light of their world. We live in a world in need of the light of the world. We all know people who are dismayed by world events. This pandemic has separated this world. Do you know, if you had said to me five years ago that the biggest thing facing the Christian church in three years' time will be a pandemic, the thing that splits the church more than anything is a pandemic or a virus, I would have said you're nuts. But it did. People who see evil in the world, that's all they see. And they just can't understand why there's such a lack of goodness or peace in our world. Why? They need the light. They need to see Jesus. Isaiah 61 to 3 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all the people. But the Lord rises up upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let your light shine. Let your light shine to this world, especially to those who are in darkness. Let's do our utmost to show the change Jesus has made in our lives. Let's do our utmost to show that we are part of the whoever believes. Let us do it until he takes us home to live with him and be with him in unspeakable favour. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. By bringing light into our darkness, he is the sun and he is our new hope. In fact, he's our only hope. How does he care, provide and guide for us? As the light of the world, he scatters darkness, gives us direction and brings us warmth. You know, scripture just doesn't give us the option of regarding Jesus as a mere teacher. We need to see who he is. Who is Jesus? We need to find Jesus on every page. We need to see that he and only he is the one who brings all of these things together in both our spiritual lives and our physical lives. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. But let me leave you with the most important question. Is he the light of your world? If so, let your light shine. I want to finish. Um, there's something that's kind of close to my heart and I'm just going to advertise it, it was in Packy Life. Um, I've had a bit of a partnership since coming here with Maranatha Christian School. And do you have things that you hate? 
I have something I hate, and that's Halloween. I used to say to the kids on my bus, if you mention Halloween, you're off my bus. You know, I, I really hate it. And I know as Christians um, in Queensland, what we did is we did a night where we would have um, a superhero night or something in counteraction. I think Halloween is extremely dark. I'm, I'm putting it out there. That's just, that's just me. And I want to counteract it. Well, Marionetha Christian School on Halloween night have a thing that they've done for five years now called Light Up the Night. It's in counteraction of Halloween. And so it starts at 5.30 to 7. That bit is a bit of a family fun. They have free food. That gets me in any time. They also have face painting. Michelle says I need to get my face painted because it improves me. And they have rides and activities. It's just a fun night. Now, if you haven't got kids or anything, but, but if you are free, at 7.30, there's a second part of the program. Staff from the school, the principal and other pastors from the area have a prayer time where we're praying that we won't fall for this, that God's light will still shine. And so if you are free at all on, um, on that night of the 31st of October, if you were looking for something to do, if you want a bit of fun from 5.30 to 7, they're running that kids program, you can bring your kids along. But as I said, at 7.30 we go into a hall and uh, we spend time praying. We spend time praying that God will be the true light of this world in our world of darkness. How about I pray and as the team comes back up. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word and on what your word tells me. Lord, it just astounds me that um, just to think of the temple reflecting that golden light that could be seen so far. And yet when people saw it, they knew that it represented your guidance. It represented your goodness. And Lord, once that light went out, it was then that your son said that he is now the light of the world. He is that golden light that brings us guidance and comfort. Father, I pray that for those here today that don't know you, that don't know your son as their Lord and Saviour, may they not leave today. May they speak to whoever brought them along or maybe they speak to someone so that they can know who Jesus really is. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to be light of this world. Jesus, you said that we are now light of this world. We know many people in darkness and we can be their torch. Help us to do it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray because it's only in him that all things are possible. Amen.